Hello and welcome to Advoku Podcast, where we dig deep into developer relations and ambassador programs and each episode is packed with insights and actionable tips from experienced devils and program managers. If you like what we do, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us up to a 5-star review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to reach us, you can always do that at podcast at advoku.com. Without further ado, I give you the Advoku Podcast. Hello, David, and welcome to Advoku Podcast. Hi, Eric. Nice to meet you. Uh, today, we'll be talking about GDE and your role in growing GDE, the challenges and bright and not so bright moments. Uh, but let's start at the beginning. Please introduce yourself to the listeners, who you are and what you are currently doing. Of course, sure. Um, my name is David Dostrovsky. I'm a program manager in the developer relations team at Google based out of Zurich. Uh, and I lead the team, which is responsible for several developer relations community programs, including the GDE that you mentioned, which stands for Google Developer Experts, which is our most prominent and the biggest uh, DevRel program we, we have in, in our portfolio. And how did you start? Because now you're in Zurich, you're based in Zurich, you're uh, managing all of the programs, but you have started in Poland. What have you been doing? How did your path to Zurich and to your current role look like? Uh, yeah, Zurich kind of happened on the way. Uh, I started indeed in Poland uh, almost 11 years ago, more than 11 years ago. Uh, but I started at Google in developer relations team from, from the beginning. I, I started as a regional lead. That's the role in our team that's focused on running particular programs in several countries, usually, up to one location. And what led me to that was my previous involvement in the community as a, as a developer, as a community organizer, uh, as a speaker at events, a trainer, and so on. So I kind of at some point figured that I, I like technology, but I also like to talk to people about technology. And this is what led me to, to this position. And uh, within Google, yeah, I started, as I mentioned, as a regional lead. Then I was a manager of of particular part of the region in Europe. Then I moved to Zurich and I became a, a leader of, of the Google Developer Experts program. And, and now it's... It's a slightly larger portfolio of programs. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the GDE program? I am sure that many of our listeners are already already know the program or at least a little bit about the program, but can you share a bit more about it? Sure. Uh, so the GDE is a global network of uh, great technologists, great uh, professionals in IT, over thousands of professionals we have in, uh, I think, over 85 countries. They are experienced uh, in Google technology. They are experts, influencers, thought leaders, uh, however you would like to call them. Um, but apart from only being passionate professionals with this expertise, they also enjoy sharing their knowledge with the rest of community. And I think that this is how I would sum mm -hmm. it up. Okay. And currently, how many people, how many experts are in the program? We have over a thousand. Over a thousand. That's quite a lot. That's quite a lot, yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a very nice group. 
they are spread globally, as I mentioned, uh, 85 countries. Uh, they also they have particular specialization categories, uh, usual suspects, as you would probably think, <laughs> Android, Cloud, uh, Firebase, Flutter, and so on. So we, we have, I think, over 12 categories at the moment. Okay. And how old is the program? The program is quite old in terms of IT world, uh, which uh, which is uh, nothing compared to the human history. But uh, <laughs> I think the the program might be over ten years old uh, at this point. Uh, there were several people before me who who led the program. Yeah, but it was relatively small at the very beginning. Okay, and when you have joined GD. How big was the program and has it changed? Apart from growing, has the program changed mm -hmm. uh, during the years? Uh, I was very excited to join the program because I was already part of this community. I was I was uh, helping with different summits and events. So, so I, when I got an, this opportunity, I, I was very excited. Um, program was already scaled up i think uh, at the time when i took it over maybe it was around 200 250 gdes in the mm -hmm. program uh, i don't know i don't remember how many countries maybe 50 60 um and uh, it was already successful program um but i would say the biggest change that i see now is we try to really professionalize a lot of things on the back end so the, mm -hmm. the program at the time those few years ago it was, as we call it, run out of a spreadsheet and a bunch of forms, um, which is which is great solution when you have uh, several people in the community, but it's completely not scalable approach at later stage. So that's probably the biggest change mm -hmm. we have introduced over, over the years. So how does the professionalizing of such program look like? I mean, the, you guys play the big part, right, at Advoku uh, in this. Uh, basically, um, that was one of the first things that we did because our onboarding process was completely stuck. Uh, so when we found your solution, we, we worked with you to heavily customize it towards our needs, and that enabled us to, to move this forward. Um, and then we introduced uh, other, uh, I would say, components or, or features that, that were heavily tailored towards Google and GDE's needs, uh, things like activity reporting, various dashboards, various APIs, and so on. And uh, we also developed some, some internal processes, which were then more professional, I would say, uh, with, with clear ownership, with clear... Uh, tooling to su to support them and so on. I'm talking about things like uh, code of conduct escalations. I'm talking about things like um, travel support solutions. Um, all the all the internal reporting related to 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 all of this. Yeah. So I would say very much program management work on the on the back end. I would say. Okay. So professionalism on the back end in terms of the program would mean. The tool set, the processes, um, the culture around it also? Culture uh, hasn't changed that much, I believe. Okay. Uh, it evolved, of course. It's uh, It has to evolve, in my opinion. When you, when you have a small program, everything is way more intimate and, and there is no really need or reason to formalize too many things. But the moment you are starting to, to talk to hundreds of people directly, uh, you have to do it at scale. So... 
the culture probably changed uh, a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I want to believe uh, it's still nice experience for everyone, definitely for us. Of course, the the times of, of pandemic and uh, the, the most recent budget restrictions, I would say, across IT that influenced what we can do. Uh, so for instance, we are not able anymore to do this, at, at the moment at least, uh, to do this large community summits for our community for, for various reasons. Uh, and that was important part of our culture, but we try to compensate in, in different other ways. Let's get back to the time when you took over the program. You've mentioned that there was there were around 200, 250 members. You have scaled it up, you and your team, of course, you have scaled up to over 1000, so four times, four times bigger in several years. That's quite a huge bump. Uh, what were the challenges at the beginning, like at, the, at, at your beginning when there were 250-ish members? And did the challenges change along the way? I can go maybe deeper on the on the one challenge that I have already mentioned. I remember when I took over the program, we had, I believe, over 300 candidates waiting somewhere in the spreadsheet for any kind of sign and reaction from Google uh, to their candidacy. Mm -hmm. uh, because we vet people heavily, I would say we, we truly want to check if, if they have qualities like being truly an expert and having a proven track record of sharing the expertise with the community. So as I mentioned, it wasn't a very scalable solution with, with all the interviews and checks for application forms and so on. So uh, that was probably the biggest problem at the very beginning. Uh, so we solved it uh, at some point. I don't want to repeat too much about introducing other uh, processes, uh, mm -hmm. but but we we did it. We we documented it and and formalized them and and measured them and so on. But I think over the years, what what started to be way more important is to show value back to Google internally. Mm -hmm. How GDEs are active, what kind of value they bring to community, and and of course indirectly to Google as well. So. That's why where we invested a little bit more in the different types of reporting, tracking of those activities, uh, presenting them, getting people interested internally and, and so on. Mm -hmm. and I think that's continued to be our main task these days. And when I talk to, to different people across the developer relations team, across different companies, uh, I see a big trend that this is something they are all investing a lot of time. Yeah, I, I think that it might be one of the reasons that you have grown the program to over 1,000 users and it's already about around 10 years old that you can show the value. Because I've seen programs that probably have died or some, or, or at least are not that active, are not that visible on the, on the, on the web. And maybe, this is my guess, they have not shown the value. I don't know if you agree with that. I have some observations from my experience. I believe there is like a threshold at some point where it's relatively easy to start a community program in any company. Mm -hmm. And the leadership usually doesn't pay that much attention 
to to its um, uh, goals or, or deliverables or things like showing value because the investment is relatively low. Let's mm-hmm. say one person from particular team should start engaging some people and maybe they would go to a few conferences together, organize a meetup and everybody is happy. I think mm-hmm. the problems start to emerge where some people start to believe, oh yeah, this is actually working pretty well. We would like to grow. We would like to formalize. We would like to maybe get more resources. And this is where all the tough questions are being asked for all the right reasons. How does it contribute to our sales, to our marketing, to our product adoption and so on. And uh, sometimes it's very hard to show it, right? And I think companies uh, make uh, tough decisions of discontinuing uh, programs or not scaling them up and so on. And if, if you stop investing in, in those programs, they, they have a high chance of dying because usually they would last only as long as somebody internally uh, at the company is passionate about them. Mm-hmm. If they move on to another role or to another company, there is usually not the continuation is, uh, is much harder. Mm-hmm. You must have answered these questions right uh, to, the, to the leadership. So how can you gather data or how can you look at the program to provide answers for these tough questions? I think it's a journey. We are still doing it. I, I, I think every year we have to prove the value of the program, which, which of course makes sense. Uh, our approach is to elevate activities and the right activities that GDEs perform out there in the community to the right people. And we do it through different things, we, with different means, I would say. Um, on, the, on the general level, we, we share aggregated values of the, of the impact across uh, public speaking or, or videos or uh, shared and published content and so on. Uh, but what is even more important is to show particular evidence of very interesting activities to the right people from the right teams internally at Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's say it's Android or, or cloud and so on. And uh, that, that works as well. I think uh, we are trying this, this approach of, of showing high level value. We, we continue to show the value in those different ways on the aggregated level, on the global level, but also on the incidental evidence-based level of something that interesting that has, has happened for, for particular product team. Mm-hmm. And do you do it in a structured manner or is it like, oh, something interesting happened, let's inform the particular team or is it like, you know, monthly reports or uh, I don't know, how, how can we you... work in relations, so I would say we, we do it through relations. We, okay. Of course, we are able to generate monthly reports if people want it, and we have also dashboards, and we are pretty flexible using using API to to create any dashboard anybody wants, really. Uh, yeah. So that that's not a, prog- a problem, and we do it. Uh, what I think is the is the most successful approach for us, for, for major products, we have something we call the POC, mm-hmm. uh, pro, uh, pro, PAPOC product area point of contact. 
and uh, that person is very deeply engaged with the particular product team but also engaged with this particular subgroup of GDEs and that person knows way more and they are way better equipped to to kind of surface the right interesting activities at the right moment and it's very hard for me to say when that's gonna happen it could be a meeting with a vp it mm -hmm. could be a quarterly report or it could be a newsletter in, or internal newsletter and they are they are the best equipped to to provide this information mm -hmm. Can you provide some examples of benefits that, in your opinion, could be the most convincing for product teams, for leadership? Examples that you have used yourself or your team to show the value that you are bringing as a program? It will vary significantly depending on the product and where sure. in the product life cycle particular product is. So we work very differently with the product that is super well known and established on the market like Android versus something that maybe at some point was very new and fresh and, and needed very different types of activities like, let's say, Firebase a few years, few years ago. So we we provide very broad menu of uh, possible interactions and, and uh, uh, channels that we are able to provide value uh, back to, to, to those teams. Um, nothing, you know, that, that you wouldn't expect. With some teams, we focus on, on feedback or generally feedback-related activities. Mm -hmm. So our GDEs participate in early access programs, trusted tester programs, um, developer advisory boards, uh, customer advisory boards, whatever is the name, whatever is the format, I would put it under the umbrella of, of feedback activities. Um, and that's of great benefit uh, directly to product areas, but also to our community members, because all of them being under NDA, uh, they also, through those activities, they have, in some sense, uh, uh, influence on those products that they really care about and they are passionate about. It's not a rare uh, situation when we would invite GDEs to participate in product roadmap presentations, very early product roadmap presentations, and have them influence it and, and give us new ideas. Uh, we, in the past, we would uh, even source new, fresh ideas for features and other solutions from, from GDEs as well, mm -hmm. because... It's a um, great value to product teams to have really trusted people, uh, people who are uh, who know their product very well, but still they are external people. So they mm -hmm. just don't sit in Mountain View in California, but they mm -hmm. are trusted. They are around the world and they can give unique perspective from, from very different uh, markets. So uh, feedback is definitely one one thing. We work with various teams across Google, uh, and uh, we help them in in different ways. We provide we are a great source of of great stories to different marketing teams, product marketing teams, and and general marketing teams as well. Because our GDs are really awesome, and they truly contribute to community in in some amazing ways. Uh, they they help people find new jobs, find find new careers, uh, establish businesses. Uh, so I think it's a generally very positive influence. We have great stories of enablement 
of uh, people from underrepresented groups, especially people underrepresented in, in IT. Mm-hmm. So that's another angle how we how we provide value. Uh, some uh, some products they they like that we raise awareness of what they have. They're the newest. So even again, established products like Android, for instance, or cloud, they constantly have something new. There is usually a new version of Android, and there is cloud is. Uh, growing so fast that there is always something new around cloud. So, so we collaborate with them to, to raise awareness uh, about this. And, and GDs are doing uh, fantastic activities, bringing this, this knowledge to community uh, through, through public speaking, through participating in, in community me- events. We, we collaborate mm-hmm. very closely with our, our other programs like Google Developer Groups, Google Developer uh, student clubs, uh, women tech makers, and so on. And they all serve, GDEs serve very often as speakers, as mentors, uh, also at those events and in, in these communities. Mm-hmm. A couple of minutes ago, you have mentioned that such programs or devel activities in general should somehow translate also to sales and marketing. Can you assess the level it can play or how big of a part it can play in growth in general? This is very hard to assess, but I think it's really crucial to the success, especially of of, uh, developer products. So if your target audience for your sales is is developers in one way or another, uh, I think having strong developer relation team and programs is, uh, is crucial. Sometimes you will find a direct link between sales and particular activity, especially in smaller programs, you are able to, uh, to say, um, to kind of compare the peaks in, in various traffics, inbound traffics, for instance, on different websites to your uh, activities of with your community, for instance, being present at, at particular events and so on. Of course, for the company big as Google, it's very hard to see any bumps, uh, right? Yeah. Because the, the traffic and the, the u- u- users is uh, user base so big, yet we, we sometimes see it. Uh, so for instance, when we have a campaign, we see some influence. Sometimes we, we go to the area of marketing and, and we try to track some things using more marketing tools, I would say like UTMs or measuring visibility or like measuring visibility in social media and so on. I understand this is indirect, right? But it's 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 one way of, of showing it. I think though that developer relations is, it contributes to sales, it contributes to marketing, but I think ultimately, that's my subjective opinion, Developer relations is about product adoption. So basically mm-hmm. getting these developers to get to try your product and then ultimately use it probably as a paid product or actually whether it's paid or not paid doesn't matter, I would say that much mm-hmm. because we know that the active developers ecosystem contributes significantly to to the general success of particular product or technology. Very good example, I would say, it's, is Android, right? From from mm-hmm. our own company, Android wouldn't exist if not for developers, uh, millions of developers who create apps for Android, right? Of course, mm-hmm. go, of course, Google has successful Android apps, but there is so many thousands uh, or hundreds of thousands uh, applications created by others, and uh, those all those people had to learn about it 
at some point they had to not only be aware of it but also actually learn how to how to create those apps then they had to learn about uh, how to create high quality apps and we we go in our offering and programs and our activities as far as really helping those developers to be successful also from the business perspective on those platforms so it's uh, we don't stop at just coding right and the uh, programming excellency we we go all the way to how to properly attract the users how to present it let's say the app in the google play and so on and so on we have we collaborate with uh, various programs for startups for instance and so on so that's really part of what we do it's a part of a way larger ecosystem for for developers and by developers i i mean it in a very broad sense not only mm -hmm. even programmers I know that you are thinking a lot about trends and future of DevRel and you're involved in this space in general. I have one question regarding the current, let's say, technological trend. Um, there are two words that are being spoken in almost every corner of tech world right now, artificial intelligence. I know that it is really important for you as a company. Do you think that AI and this current revolution, I I see this current revolution more more connected with generative AI? Do you think that the current revolution of AI, of what we see, of what we are seeing, will somehow impact programs like GDE and DevRel in general? Interesting question. Well... AI starts to be everywhere at the moment, uh, and in, in, in not so long past, uh, things like machine learning were, were you know, nothing new to us at Google. I think there is several years already that, that that's been a priority. So, for instance, we have AI ML category of, of GDEs for... I don't know how many years, maybe six. Uh, so that's something that we've invested as a program already long time ago. Whether it's going to help in particular uh, with with something, I don't know, I'm observing, right? We, we, we mm -hmm. see a lot of uh, cool things around, especially generative AI, which is, I think, in the areas of, let's say, creativity, uh, graphical production, and so on that influenced uh, a lot of things, a lot of processes, uh, maybe jobs even, right? We are yeah. not quite there yet. Um, the biggest maybe change that I'm observing is all this kind of assistancy to, to coders, right? In mm -hmm. the IDE where where we have various solutions for, from various companies. Uh, so I think that will that that has a high potential of change how programmers will work and usually we are all about in our programs about those programmers those developers mm -hmm. who do something so i don't see a direct influence just yet apart, apart from getting our gdes to early access programs to to solutions like 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 those uh from, from google uh from, from the area of ai um but not not at the moment i i don't see a let's say um very direct influence in the program management work i would say more on the back end side i i see some um influence but i don't i don't think those would be unique we we started using some of the uh, our internal ai tools like bard let's say to 
to help ourselves with like developing presentations, for instance, right? Uh, so that's something that I tried personally, but we are not quite there yet to to let's say automate some some big parts of processes or the program at the moment. But uh, of course, we are very closely observing the the area. Yeah, I'm very very interested in this area and how it will affect different aspects of our lives and work and careers. But are there any other trends, technologies or or other trends that you see that do impact or may impact in the near future the DevRel space? That's unpopular opinion, especially among developers, but I think... I'm still waiting for way bigger growth of low-code and no-code mm -hmm. uh, solutions and environments. I think that they already grabbed part of the market at the moment, but I think even with um, with what we have right now with the development of, of AI, uh, it should grow significantly more. I think... I, I think we are very, very close to the situation when predictable backend solutions, the boring ones, as you would say, mm -hmm. like ERP type of solutions, uh, should be, in my opinion, generated by just describing them to the system, to the to the solution. I, th I think we are we are getting there. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any? Mm... Are there any tools that you are looking at? Well, I'm looking actively right now at AppSheet, right, which comes from Google. So sorry for <laughs> for, for shameless plug. <laughs> shameless plug, but uh, you asked me, so this is what I'm looking at right now. That's that's very, uh, you know, very up to date question actually. Yeah. Okay. And do, do you think that uh, we are going? Th this is. Maybe on the side, uh, and I mentioned and... your tool before, so I thought we are balanced now. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. There are many tools that I'm yes. looking at. No code, uh, no code tools. Uh, more on the front end uh, side. But anyway, do you think that we are going towards this, let's say, kind of mythical citizen developer uh, direction that? everyone will be or will have the potential to be a developer and create something that has been for so many years only for the chosen ones? I hope so. I hope so. I don't think it should be very exclusive. And again, probably that's another unpopular opinion. But I think over the years, if we look at the development of the field, the bar got lower and lower over time. Mm -hmm. So if we are talking at the very beginning of... Uh, of uh, computation, I would say digital computation, let's say after the Second World War, uh, you would have to be a physicist probably and uh, slash electrician slash uh, really advanced mathematician to, to build and run the first computers. Um, and I would say the bar got lower and lower every single time. And uh, I think it will go down even more and, and more people will be able to express their 
their will to computers and mm-hmm. the computers will, will do things for them, whether it's uh, conversational AI or whether it's uh, those assistants that you have with coding and so on, right? And I think I'm still waiting for for the moment that we will go to yet another level of abstraction where there will be actually way less code manually written. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And for me, it will be another step like between, let's say, in the past, you would have to manage memory of your program, right, actively. And at some point, there were garbage collectors, virtual machines, and, and so on. Basically, the whole technology that let you not to worry about this that much. I'm not saying, of course, that, that you, you shouldn't think about it. But mm-hmm. for majority of, uh, I would say, solutions, you don't have to worry that much about it, right? And, and there okay. are other steps. And um, I think... It, it will go in this direction. So let's connect it now with our conversation. Do you think the DevRel space in general will grow or shrink because of this trend? Will it grow because more people will come to space or will it shrink because the development developers will not be so exclusive? I think it will grow. Again, very subjective opinion, but uh, I think it will grow because the moment you... You have more creators, more developers, because let's say the the bar is slightly lower, right, over time. Mm-hmm. And also because uh, you probably have heard the expression that your business will be IT business. And I mm-hmm. we see it, in my opinion, in, in business across the board over, over the past years. Um, if your business will be IT business, that means at some point you're going to have your API, you're going to have your SDK, you're going to have your maybe a developer's marketplace or things like this. And to properly manage all of this, to attract developers, to make them aware, to, to, to train them, I would say the best solution is to have a great developer relations team and, and introduce the, the right programs at the right time. So I think it, it should grow. And I see it growing, actually. Um, Let's say in the past, when I even started, uh, there were not so many developer relations jobs. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. I started at Google in 2012. That was the only developer relations job listed in Poland. I think at any given time, even in Poland, in, in other countries in Europe, you have tens of, of opportunities, I would say, at, at any given moment. And I would say there are some areas which which are very innovative, very fast to the market, like the whole blockchain slash crypto area. If if you look at this moment, uh, again, I'm based in Europe, so I'm talking about Europe. Most of the jobs in DevRel are actually in those in those areas. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, those solutions are very developer oriented, right? Uh, they usually have their own even formalized languages, how you write, let's say, contracts or, or things like this. So naturally, um, they, they would like to address developers. Uh, but uh, what I see is uh, it's not anymore this kind of triad of, oh, to, to run a startup, it's uh, one developer, I don't know, one product person and one marketing person. For a developer-oriented product, maybe you'd actually want to push the balance from just marketing into developer relations, I would say, because this is what's the, I would say, more successful approach to to, to get developers' attention. Yeah, that's very interesting, very interesting area. And I think we should look closely at it and maybe assess in a few months or years 
how it will change. I would be interested to to go back and and check my prediction. Although I'm pr- I'm predicting this growth of low code, no code, several years now. <laughs> so let's see about that. Let's just see in a few months or years. But since we are over half an hour mark, are there any parting tips that you would like to share with other fellow program managers, different program managers? Sure. Uh, so actually, I I talk to a lot of people. Uh, sometimes companies reach out to me and ask for ask questions how to, how to start a team like this or program like this. Um, if if I were to recommend something is, first of all, agree with your leadership how the success look like, right? Because it's, uh, as I said earlier, it's so easy to just start on this vibe of, ah, let's do something with community, let engage them, let, let go to events. I think it's a bit short-sighted. It should be more than that. It should be at least measurable. Uh, nothing wrong about doing speaking at events or or doing meetups and so on but it should be kind of measured the goals should be set and so on uh it should kind of also even at this early stage we should try to connect it with some metric that the leadership would truly say oh okay this is working for us you know we would like 10x of this Mm -hmm. versus you know if you provide 10x of, of, of the activity, do they really care? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's maybe number one. Um, plan for a long time. I think working with developers and especially with developer communities is a long, long-term game, in my opinion, because engaging people, building relationships, that takes time. That's counted in months, right? Um, or years. And... Uh, it's going to be very hard to just spin something up, do the kickoff event, and then see it collapse uh, three months later. And, and yeah. I saw, unfortunately, a lot of examples of, of programs like that. Get proper resources. And again, it's going to depend on on the activities that you choose to do. Uh, get proper tools, get proper processes. There's so, so many tools, so many simple tools that you can even write yourself. So get proper resources, get get support from the teams that you should be working with. I'm, I'm talking about marketing, engineering, product teams. Uh, really depends on, on your on your uh, product and your, on your company. Very often it would be even folks from, from legal or public policy or... Uh, you know, even CSR or, or, or different different teams across the company. And I would suggest if you don't have a resources to start a properly larger team that would take care of several programs, to just start with one program and like one activity and do it really well and focus on it. So unfortunately, way too often I see this kind of attempts of of spinning up the developer relation team as a one-man band basically mm-hmm. where uh, we would like to have an advocate and also community manager and also kind of marketing person and a content creator and a speaker at events and so on and so on and i don't think it always works uh, right okay. first of all uh when you when you shape this team like 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 that it's gonna be very hard to measure which activity really brought the the, the biggest yield there there might be unique people who are able to to do all of it but as in every other field devrel is 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 going into specialization as well so you you know great content creator might actually not always be a great 
speaker at stage or not a great uh, writer might, might be uh, uh, super in like leading feedbacks or actually might be very good at general program management, right? Uh, so I'm not saying that there are not people, uh, there, the people like this don't exist, but uh, it's harder to get them. So I would focus on particular activity and hire people for, for this particular activity. Great tips, great recommendations. And it was really great speaking to you. Thank you for having me. Where should people go to look for you if they want to follow up on this conversation? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the easiest way to find me, uh, ping me or, or read one of my articles or posts. Great. We will link to your profile in the episode details. So thank you very much for today and let's talk in at least, at least a couple of months and check our predictions. Thank you. Thank you for a conversation. Thank you.